from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, and it is my pleasure to welcome back, for the first time in a long time, but hashtag 2020, um, Kyle Gore back to Teeing It Up to talk the NBA. Uh, welcome back, sir. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. It feels like it's been a long time. <laughs> Uh, it really has been a long time. It's been a long year. So back, like last time we talked, I forget exactly when, like people actually like went to games. What a concept. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, I think we kind of all missed that. Huh? I mean, I still remember when the NBA kind of set the tone for all of this when they canceled that game with the Jazz with Rudy Gobert and it kind of set off this domino effect, not just for the NBA, but for society, for sports. And, you know, it's, one of those moments you, you'll never forget. I mean, we're in this historic pandemic, and of course, me, you know, naturally, I, I go to the a moment that's revolved around sports, but it's something that I, you know, I'll never forget that night and what happened after that, obviously. To that end, and, and, and this is kind of where I want to start, which is how do you catch up with somebody you haven't talked to in a while in a professional manner? Well, it's that you just start talking about where you left off from. I remember exactly where I was when I got the Rudy Gobert news. Uh, 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 wow, I thought it's a lot of stuttering. Calm down, Jeremy. I'm, I'm just very excited to talk to you, Kyle. Um, yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> do you remember where you were when that news came out? Yeah, no, I was home, and I was I was working on setting my fantasy basketball lineup, obviously, for the night. And, you know, I, I typically follow a good amount of beat writers throughout the league, and, you know, I'll check in on random games. And then I saw that pop up all over Twitter, of course, and then on ESPN breaking news, and, and I was like, oh man, I really hope it's not, you know, what we think it is, because we didn't really know much, obviously, about COVID at that time, but, you know, and then once we heard the news and that, you know, I, I seen the video prior to that about Gobert touching all the microphones, and I was just like, oh, I hope it's not him, or it's not what we think, and sure enough, it was, and you know, the backlash from the reporters that were in that room, and, you know, again, we didn't know much about it, but it, it just, it was that first moment in time where it's like, all right, this is real. Like, this is going to have some serious, serious effects. And obviously, we didn't know how serious, but clearly it's been it's been a really serious and tragic uh, time. Really has been. Um, I had just finished watching Survivor, and I have a couple friends who have gotten back into Survivor. Um, so, as a result, as to not be spoiled, I keep my phone in another room. Because... <laughs> People will text me things, and that's just not the way to watch a show. So my phone's in another room, and I go to pick up my phone, and I stopped in my tracks. I said, oh, my God. And then I turned on ESPN, and my jaw dropped, and then the world ended the next day uh, as yeah. we knew it. Yeah. Just crazy time. So that then moves us forward to the last dance. And one of the trademarks for those longtime listeners who have enjoyed my, my interviews with Kyle is I get to mention his wife a lot uh, in terms of basketball habits because we know we wondered what you know being engaged would do for your NBA watching habits, what being married will do. Well, well, you're a dad now. Yep. And did it at least give Alicia a, some kind of an insight into why you became the fan that you did watching The Last Dance? Oh, I mean, she she had an idea. I mean, at our wedding, I mean, I had a Jordan cut out at our wedding. I had a, <laughs> we had a mixed drink named after Michael Jordan. So she already knew kind of not that I was when it comes to this, but she actually sat and started watching a lot of the, the Last Dance episodes of these. 
you know, she really appreciate it. She could actually see, like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like, I, I kind of see where you're coming from with how obsessed you are just watching this guy, you know, Michael Jordan, obviously, the way he was and the competitor he was. But obviously, you know, I take it to another level. So she <laughs> she understands the, the sur- you know, on the surface of it, but, uh, you know, she'll never, nobody really truly understands my brother, but how deep of a connection I feel just with, not with just Jordan, but with the Bulls and obviously with basketball. Um, is there a moment from the last dance that stands out all these months later, having probably not even watched an episode in a while? So I actually rewatched them all probably a month ago. Just cause, I mean, it's, you know, you can only watch so much TV during a pandemic, and I've kind of went through all my shows. So <laughs> yes. you know what, let's, let's restart this, and, you know, once you get into it, you're into it. So, I, I mean, for me, it's always, it was always that moment, seeing him cry, kind of shed a tear, you know, tear. You never see Jordan, I mean, besides his Hall of Fame speech, but... You know, to see how worked up he got over just wanting to win, I mean, you don't see that anymore. That yeah. You don't see that type of fire, that, that competitive nature. I mean, Kobe obviously was, you know, sadly it's been a year with Kobe, but you know, we haven't seen that since Kobe, right? That kind of that fuel, that fire, that passion. And to see Jordan do it, you know, just talk and talking about it, it really was like, wow, okay. Like, I mean, I got the guy, but now I feel like I really get the guy. Like, this is, this is a true kind of moment that I just didn't expect. Kyle, Demand and Corp back with us and teeing it up. Um, so now we enter the bubble. Did you ever think the bubble would work? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, I felt that the NBA had a really good plan considering the circumstances. I thought it was, you know, going to be executed well, but I, I just, it's really hard to trust, obviously, that many individuals in the bubble, right, in, in Florida to just to do the right thing. I mean, it's just society in general, right? We can't expect everybody to do what, you know, what we're supposed to get through this. So I know I didn't think, I thought for sure, hey, you know, we're going to have some cases right from the get-go and that's that. But honestly, it was such a great pleasure just to have it on and just to be able to, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't even notice, you know, after a while not having fans. I mean, I thought the NBA did a really great job with the artificial noise and then having the virtual fans. I mean, it was you know, the play was obviously a little sporadic, as expected, with, you know, a five-month hiatus. But it was just cool to have it back. And, you know, I, I'm just so happy that the NBA made it work, that the players did what they had to do. And what I think is interesting is some of those seeding games, whatever you want to call those those regular season games, um, were a little helter-skelter. Um, oh, yeah. There were some teams that um, did not come back. Uh as uh, quickly as some others, I think that's safe to say. Um, plus, you still had players that had tested positive back home who were not down there yet. Then we had Lou Williams at a strip club. So, I mean, we, <laughs> we had a little bit of everything in those seeding games. But one of the genius, uh, genius things that I, that, that I got from it, and I recommend this to anybody out there, and I'm sure you'll agree, Kyle, the Rachel Nichols nugget about the music was fascinating how they purposely wanted to hold exhibition games to figure things out and that in the first warm-up for the first exhibition game in the first quarter, all players on both teams agreed that the, that the music was too loud and that they needed to lower the volume. And you wouldn't think that that's something that you would have to do. It wasn't on the NBA's checklist of, you know... This is something we have to figure out. They're worried about testing. They're worried about compliance. They're worried about food. They're worried about getting people in and out of locker rooms. I don't think music volume was on their list. Um, 
But it was little things like that and making the players as comfortable as possible, whether it was the barbershop or whatever you want to say is, you know, one of the various amenities that they gave these guys down there. That to me was what was really illuminating was they really made the players as comfortable as possible. And it's hard. It's hard to be that disciplined and quarantine that much and all that. But to me, the NBA also did their part in making it work. Oh, absolutely. And that's what, like I always say, Adam Silver is the greatest commissioner in the world. I mean, there's, there's no one close to what he, you know, the care that he shows the players, you know, the, the desire to grow the game and to build the game and to let the players have a voice. And, you know, they wouldn't have bought in, obviously, the players if they didn't feel that the NBA had their best interest. They were the ones taking the risk, right? I mean, they're the ones in the bubble, a lot more, you know, guys around them, they're away from their families. Like I said, you, you saw guys like Paul George experience depression. I mean, think about how we are in an everyday situation. And, you know, most of us, fortunately, are around our families. But for those guys to be completely away, I mean, that's a tough situation. We're already going through a lot, you know, in this world. And, and to, to be away even further is kind of adding to it. So, no, I completely applaud the NBA. And, and they, they weren't afraid to spend the money. They obviously took a hit. But it made for great TV. It gave us some kind of sense of normalcy in a way where we could at least separate ourselves from what's going on in the world with this pandemic and focus on just, even if it's for two, three hours a night, just that escape to get away and kind of turn away from reality and just have basketball, have sports again. And then the playoffs started and uh, shocking. Quality of play improved. Um, and, and to me, the Luka Doncic three is always going to stick out because that was a moment. It was a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, and it was just one of those we're going to let it fly moments. And if you and if you have too many ha- uh, hugs and handshakes, who cares? That was such a great moment for a star on the big stage like that. And while the Lakers were deserving champions and the Heat were a truly deserving runner-ups, an example of what a team can do and what a nice acquisition can do in in the form of Jimmy Butler. Um, to me, it was the Luka moment that I think crystallized that great basketball could still happen inside that bubble. Oh, absolutely. There, there's you know always been moments that we're always going to remember, you know, regardless of the situation. And, and Luka had already been on, you know, already on the map, right? And he's already well established, all-star, superstar, but. You can almost say it's like a little bit of a coming out party for him too in that instance, you know, because it was his moment in a stage where you had a good amount of people watching, right? And there was nothing else, no other sports on at that time, and and it, it was it was just great just to see these guys back out there, and and it was obviously a different element. I, I mean, I still don't think the best team won personally, but you know, you're, you're throwing guys in as a completely different element where some for some teams home court matters and fans matter, so it does take guys out of the rhythm. But at the end of the day, I mean. It was still a huge success, and I was just so glad that they were able to pull it off. So let's spin this forward to now. We're talking to, we're talking to, uh, to Kyle DeManicor here on Teeing It Up. Um, let's spin this forward. So you said the best team didn't win. Who did you think was the best team in 2020? I mean, I really do did believe the Clippers, they were the best team. I mean, now, like you mentioned, guys coming into the bubble – you know, they were out without Harrell for a while, without Williams, Beverly was hurt. So you can't really build continuity, and especially a team like the Clippers, you know, having five months off when that's, you're trying to build that chemistry. I know you could say the same about, you know, AD, and, but 
you're talking AD and LeBron. I mean, two guys that have clearly played together in all three games of things and coexisted. But, you know, you're trying to bring all these pieces in with the Clippers, and you have guys missing time or having to quarantine. And Paul George going through what he was going through. Again, it's no excuse at the same time, but I still believe the Clippers are the best team. They just, you know, didn't play well. Clearly didn't play well. They blew a huge lead. I mean, and, and again, for some teams, having that home court advantage, obviously, you know, if, if it was normal situation, they were playing the Lakers, home court really goes out the window. But having that that atmosphere and that, that routine, right? I mean, same with Milwaukee. Milwaukee is a better team than the Heat. There is no doubt in my mind that Milwaukee is a better team than the Heat. The Heat just caught that got hot, no pun intended. And Milwaukee was a team who really relied on that home court advantage with their fans. I mean, that was a team who thrived off of that. So to me, you know, a lot of these teams were just kind of taken out of their routine and taken out of their element. But at the end of the day, they all were in the same situation. So, you know, you keep your hat to the Lakers. They played great and so did the Heat. But I still think the Clippers were the best team. Um, so we then enter the off season. And then we enter the regular season, and James Harden decides, yeah, I've had enough. Um, (laughs) We have a super team, and we have the return of KD, and we have um, a healthy Kyrie, and we have a Nick team that is actually watchable, respectable, and interesting, and... There's a Nets team that's been revitalized. So, uh, 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 sorry, a Sixer team that's that's uh, tied for the best record in basketball right now, basically, along with the Jazz. Actually, there's a couple teams ahead of uh, the Sixers right now. Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, all our percentage is higher. Um, so let's start in the East. How far can Brooklyn go? Because one of the things that I think was interesting about the bubble is I thought the Heat got tired towards the end. You're playing every other day. Yes, you're not traveling, but there were not the normal amount of rest as normal uh, during the playoffs. And you're you're playing a lot, and they didn't have normal rest until the NBA Finals, I believe. And it just seemed like the Heat ran a gas towards the end. Will KD have enough in the tank? I definitely think this can work. I definitely think they become a title contender, but I don't know if they have enough in the tank right now. Yeah, I mean, look, we probably have never seen, and, and this even goes with the Golden State team, a, a talent to team, like the talent-wise that this Brooklyn team has. We're never going to see a trio as talented as Harden, Kyrie, and Kennedy. I mean, I, I can't think of one. I mean, you're talking three bona fide 30-point-per-game scorers you know, and KD to me obviously stands out from that group. But my worry with my issue with Brooklyn is they had no defense. They play no defense. All yep. of these guys clearly aren't defensive guys. I mean, KD can block shots. He's always been pretty good with that. You know, he brought in obviously into the system with Golden State, but he was surrounded by guys who play defense, right? Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Curry was you know not bad considering his size and everything. But Kyrie Irving has never been known for. And we all know James Harden doesn't know what defense is, even though he will get a handful of steals just off cherry picking and stuff like that. But on the ball defense, these guys are terrible. So, I mean, I, and you've seen some of these games at Brooklyn. We're talking scores of 130. Like, I, I mean, it's insane. So, by no means, I mean, they can, they're going to outscore most teams, by, you know, for sure, if all three of those guys are playing healthy. But can they defend? I mean, we all know in the playoffs, rotation is usually shortened. They don't have a deep team. They kind of gutted it. Some of these trades, losing Jared Allen was a huge loss, in my opinion. 
Um, we don't know what the buyout market's going to look like. I think they will be players. Obviously, I mean, they just got Shumpert. They signed off for agency, you know, helps with the rotation depth at least. But, you know, come playoff time, when you're playing, like they say, KB playing 30, 40 minutes a game, it, it's going to add up, especially for a guy coming off a major injury. So, I, you know, I'm not, they're definitely titles contenders, 100%. They're not my favorite by any means. Just, I think in the playoffs, you have to play defense, and they really don't. So they need to really tighten that up. And, and Nash was never known for his defense when he played. So they're going to have to really figure out a way to, try to get these guys on the same page and find a rotation or something that works at least to try to get some kind of defensive mentality in there. When you look at the East, what, uh, where, where do you like, um, where do you, where do you want to go in, in terms of what you want to talk about next? Well, I mean, I still think Milwaukee, uh, look, Milwaukee never gets enough. Like, yeah, they were a great team last year. They don't get enough love. I, I feel like, because they're not a sexy team, right? It's Milwaukee. Like, yeah, they have Giannis and I'm so glad that he's staying. I think it's good for basketball, obviously, and good for the city. But, look, they're, they're third in the standings right now. Obviously, it's early. But look at their point differential, plus eight. I mean, that's insane. So, and they're trying to get some continuity. They get through Holiday, which is such an under-the-radar, underrated move. I mean, he is such a good defensive player. Such a huge upgrade for them from George Hill. And George Hill's a decent player in his own mind. But Holiday, and Bledsoe, too. Holiday's a much better player. So I think Milwaukee's going to be there. I think they're going to hit their peak at some point and really play well. I mean, they have a a nice big three with Giannis, Middleton, and, and Drew with some really good role players. So I, I don't think Milwaukee's getting that love just because of how they kind of played with last year. Um, you know, Philly, obviously, playing really great. Doc has been playing well. You know, my worry with Doc is what we saw with the Clippers last year is he kind of falls in love with certain players, doesn't really change up his rotations, or his adjustments are always kind of questionable. Um, but Philly's playing well. I mean, if it's healthy, I mean, he's a freak, superstar. You know, and obviously they had some really good shooters around Simmons, which is what they need. There are going to be players in the buyout market. There's rumors of J.J. Redick being traded back to Philly. You know, so uh, Philly is definitely a scary team. I, I would put them out of Brooklyn, absolutely, because they're defensive ability. Um, but the East is kind of a hot pod towards them. You've got some teams just not playing well. Toronto's starting to pick it up. They're, they're definitely a playoff team. They're just not playing well. You know, the Heat, obviously, are struggling. Butler's played in eight games all year. You know, they had a lot of guys out with injury with COVID. Again, COVID is the X factor for the season, too. Um, and, you know, props to your Knicks. You know, I, obviously, you know, I love Tibbs. He's one of my all-time favorite coaches. And this is the Tibbs effect, right? He always has a good first couple of years, and then eventually guys kind of get burned out. So you're seeing that, that fruit right now. That, you know, they're playing really well in this first year. Guys are probably buying in. It's a younger team. Julius Randle is like his little old dang, kind of doing everything. But, you know, you know how it goes with Tibbs. Sometimes he doesn't really trust many other guys beyond, like, six. So you just worry that team's going to run out of gas. Or something. Yeah, there's a bunch of players on that roster that have not played a lot, and yeah, um, they even admitted it at the end of that West Coast road trip. And remember, these are very spaced out road trips in 2021 in terms of number of days in the road that they were tired. It just it it confuses me in the sense of uh, not confuses. I'm glad to see that they're contending. I just worry about these fourth quarter losses where they either get leads and then can't hold them or come back and then can't get over the hump and finish it off. Look, you don't want to get down in the first place, but uh, th- there is some definite confusing things happening. Yeah, and, and the Knicks, it, they need a superstar, right? I mean, they yeah. missed out in free agency last year, young players. And you're seeing them. I, I think Tibbs does develop young players really well. Obviously, you know Butler was his 
his guy he developed. Now, you know, Obi, he's just kind of lazy, right? He just has to buy into them and really put that up. Because Tibbs isn't going to, he already is really tough on rookies, but if you're really not putting them in that effort, especially defensively, he, he's not going to play you, right? So you really have to show him. I think that's what we're seeing with Randall right now is Tibbs is helping him develop his full game. We all knew Randall could be a really good player, but I had no idea that Randall could do what he's doing right now. I mean, he, you know, he turns it over a lot still, but his, his ball handling ability, his playmaking ability, once the Knicks can get a star or two in there, they got some really good young talent. Dude, there was a game where it felt like for a five-minute stretch he was the point guard. I'm like, yeah. and even Mike and Clyde are like, what is happening here? What? He's their Lou, he's their Lou all day minus the defense, right? Yeah. Dang was kind of that do-it-all guy, and kids loved and he, he leaned on Dang so much, kind of burned Dang out, but that's kind of how I see Randall. I mean, and, and Mitchell Robinson is kind of that Noah that, you know, develop into that defensive energy guy. Um, you know, Noah obviously had the passion. You, gotta, you want to see that from Robinson. But, you know, there, there's potential there. And I just, like I said, this is the tip of the fact, right? We see this tip everywhere he goes. Yeah, totally. Cod the man Corp with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. Um, I was going to ask you something about the East, and it just escaped me, so I will... Not the Bulls, is it? Uh, no. Um, You're good. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, uh, here it was. Sorry. Uh, we'll save that for the end. Okay. Out West, Utah. We've seen this team ascend, ascend, ascend. The question is, can they overcome the Clippers and the Lakers in the playoffs? And I don't know why I said that uh, <laughs> in a rhythmical singing fashion. But they're out to a 16-5 and five start. They've, they're loaded. They, you know, Donovan Mitchell's the star out there. Um, is this something that can be sustained? Is, is, are they for real? Personally, I don't think so yet. I, I just I look at Utah and I, they don't scare me. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, there's nothing really there that, yeah, Mitchell's a stud and we only like to drop 30, but who's, who's the second guy? I mean, is it? Is Conley going to be able to give you 20 a night? Is Ingles? I mean, Gobert is pretty much, at this point, just a defensive guy. I mean, he's not really going to be a dominant Shaq-type player in the paint. So, you know, I look at their team, and Bogdanovich is coming off injury. He's still trying to find his legs. Royce O'Neal's a nice role player. Clarkson's a nice bench player. But after Mitchell, who really scares you on the Jazz? Jazz are one of those teams where they're, they're, they're going to be a good regular season team because they play defense. Like, they're really tough defensively, but come playoff time you kind of need more than one guy in this league that can get a bucket for you at any you know at any moment i just don't see anyone outside of mitchell being that guy really um i i want to talk about the lakers because they may have had the most turnover of any nba winning franchise that i can remember in a long time do you think the additions especially with schroeder and harrell can really be nice supporting pieces, especially losing Avery Bradley. Remember, the Lakers overcame losing Avery in winning the title. Are these supporting pieces to LeBron and AD uh, good enough? A and B, is Frank Vogel doing a good enough job giving LeBron and AD the rest they are going to need because of just the sheer amount of games they've played in this time? So, I mean, anytime you got LeBron and AD you're going to be good enough, right? I mean, no matter the sports you On paper, obviously, in the offseason, these look like great signings. I've never been a Harrell fan. I just think he's a terrible defender. He's not a great rebounder. You know, we saw with the Clippers last year rotations, he gets lost. So I personally thought Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee filled a really important need 
last year for the Lakers. I thought that, you know, having that paint protection, that rim protector, those guys were solid at what they did. Harold's not that guy, right? And Marc Gasol, I love Marc Gasol, but come on. Like, dude, you got to retire. Like, it's time. Like, he, he's not going to give them what they need, especially come playoff time. So you are relying a lot on AD and LeBron, as usual. And, and even losing Rondo is an underrated loss because of his leadership, his playmaking with his passing. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a loss there, right? So I, I personally am not convinced that this Lakers team is better. Like I said, last year, I think, I don't think they were the best team last year. I just think they, honestly, they got fortunate the Clippers lost. I really do believe that, but, you know, still give them credit for the win, of course. So I think LeBron really hasn't been sitting this year. I mean, and I give him credit, you know, his age, obviously, for doing what he's doing. AD, the guy gets hurt every game in some way. You know, some Knicks in there, and he'll usually sit in a game, but I do agree at some point LeBron's going to need his, some rest, but he, look, come playoff time, we know how LeBron is. He's going to get his team where he needs to get them. And the question is, like you said, are they going to add anybody at the, at the deadline? And is there a buyout market for them? I, I still don't think, looking at it right now and the way the Clippers are, I think the Clippers are still the better team. I mean, I, I just don't think the Lakers, if we can go through a normal year, somewhat normal year with COVID not hitting anybody or you know, having them be able to play in their own arena with hopefully fans, I think it just changes the ballgame, right? And I think this Clippers team seems more motivated. Paul George is not, you know, I think he's hopefully in a better place mentally right now, and I think his play is really, you know, speaks volumes for that. So I just think the Lakers need a little bit more. That's just my opinion. Kyle DeManincourt with us here on Teeing It Up. All right. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are 19-8 and eight in their last 27 games. Um, I conveniently... <laughs> Added their their eight wins um, in and in, in, in the bubble into this. Um, they what a story they were, and I give them all the credit in the world. And then they add Chris Paul, which gives them leadership. They're eleven and eight right now. Um, can they keep this going? They were the one team that coming out of the bubble I thought had had potentially uh, potentially really had momentum for twenty twenty one. Oh, for sure. They're definitely an up-and-coming team, and I do think they can keep it going. I don't think they're in the upper echelon right now with these other contenders, but if you look at the West, it's it's not that great, right? I mean, you've got a few teams obviously at the top, but you know, you start getting towards that middle and the bottom. There, there's not a lot of teams that really stand out like, oh, wow, these are, these are really good teams. I mean, they're no. decent. And like Dallas, Dallas is a huge disappointment, but I think Phoenix can definitely keep it up. I, think, I do think Booker's taking a little bit of a hit as far as having Paul there. I think you know, he's not, he doesn't have the ball in his hand as much. His playmaking is kind of taking a hit. Um, it's affected the shooting a little bit, but it's Chris Paul, right? Chris Paul's playing great basketball. Like he's got the team winning right now. They've got some good young players with Aiton and uh, Bridges. I love Bridges. Cam Johnson's playing really well. So they've got some good young talent, um, and I think they will be there come playoff time. I just don't see them being a true contender. And finally, there's Golden State, which kind of just sits there and... <laughs> What Steph does every night is ridiculous. Um, he's a human highlight reel. Um, doesn't matter if they win by 40 or lose by 40. He's going to get you something on tape. Yet, they're, you know, tie, losing by a tiebreaker, essentially, um, from being in the eighth spot. They're a .01 away from being inside the playoffs if it started right now, which thankfully it does not. Um Without Clay, we know this team probably doesn't have the depth to get to 
deep in the playoffs, but I look at them as a potential nuisance team. There was that magic team a couple of years ago that was that nuisance team that everybody labeled them as. The you know the uh-huh. the, the tough out, the team that'll take you to you know maximum games in an early round and you know wear you down. Do you think that's what the Warriors could do? Is that their twenty twenty one role? I mean, they could. I don't think they will. I mean, I, I, you know, Curry's obviously, Draymond's still trying to find his legs. And look, I think the better years of Draymond are, are behind him now, unfortunately. And I think Curry's doing a great job with what he's got. I mean, they had to adjust really quickly to losing Clay, and it still sucks. I'm still so mad about that. But yeah, you no, know, I think they're playing great basketball for right now, considering what they what they've got. Wiggins is kind of playing, you know, found his groove a little bit, and I still think there's some untapped potential there. Oubre needs to pick it up. He's a terrible shooter right now. He needs to fix that. You know, Wiseman, he's hurt, but he, he showed some, some flashes. So I, I, there's potential. I, I don't think, I don't want to go as far as to say they're that magical team this year, like the Magic, but, or a couple years ago, or whatever. But there's potential. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I just think it's a lot of pressure on Curry. You know, every night we know Curry has that his moments where he's been injured. So um, I, I don't think they're going to be there in the playoffs when it's said and done. But I don't think they're going to be as bad as everybody thought they were going to be once Clay got hurt. All right, Kyle DeMancourt, this is that moment when you put down on a podcast, listened to around the world in every country by all 7 billion people on earth. Who is your NBA Finals matchup and who is your winner of the NBA title for 2020-2021? So I have, in the finals, I have the Clippers against the Bucks. I think this is the year that we see and well, you want my winner too, you said? Yes. Well, I think it's the Clippers year. I, I think, you know, sometimes you say you have to go through heartbreak to get to where you want, right? And you've seen it a lot of teams in the past. And Clippers had a tough break last year. They, they played terrible. They knew it. They choked. And they kind of retooled a little bit. With new coach, new system, got some new players in, and, and they look good, right? And we all know that not so much about the regular season, but what you do in the playoffs, obviously. And that's where guys like Kawhi and hopefully this year Paul George you know, shine and really show their talent. So I, I think this is the year where the Clippers finally get to where they were supposed to be last year. Kyle DeManencore. Oh, oh, by the way, I have the uh, Knicks in the title. Oh, uh, well, I mean, that's, hey, you never know, right? <laughs> Knicks Warriors in the title, no. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the Lakers any day. Thank you very much. I like LeBron's <laughs> recent track record. Kyle DeManencore, welcome back. Uh, you'll be on a lot sooner, trust me. But thank you for walking through the last 12 months of the world with me here on Teeing It Up. I appreciate it, Jeremy. It's always great to be on with you. You got it. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great day.